Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook and if you want to talk to him today or book something, call him at 402-630-0031. Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588. If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose, call right, baby. Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at behoovercustomcalls.com. If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, meep, meep. <laughs> check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glass parency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com. If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and pretty much (laughs) (laughs) if you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and have to worry about anything, check out the other guys outfitters. They do an incredible job of, uh, dry field duck and goose hunts you can check out their pile picks on facebook and if you're wanting to book a hunt today call Krager at 308-637-7777 if you're needing some professional photography done check out my business faithful images our mission is to faithfully capture images of god's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory we do anything from infants couples families seniors weddings announcements and more check it out at faithfulimages.org or on instagram and facebook if you're ever sitting there during covid and thought to yourself i really need to get on that dream hunt i don't know (laughs) what what's going to happen in life but i need to get in that dream hunt check out chaku peru he does hunts in u.s south america and europe if you've seen some of his pics or videos if you haven't jump on his facebook or instagram has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at chakuperu.com for more details. Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the, a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast.
Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. Today we've got uh, Jeremy, my co-host. How are you doing, Jeremy? Oh, a little tired from my duck hunt this morning with us, but uh, yeah. doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, screw that pintail. All right, Brad, how you doing today? Uh, full and tired. Full and tired. Yeah. So we just uh, we got out with our hunt, got done, and uh, we actually ended up a lot better than I thought we would, honestly. I... I was uh, <clears throat> shooting for a skunk, so we got <laughs> two gut ducks, and screw those pintails, and then a, a I would say a suicide bluebell. Yeah, yeah he wanted a dumb <laughs> like he. I, I hate to say this, but he wanted to die. Yeah, so we were just standing on the beach. So for listeners, <clears throat> these pintails, oh, they did it right. They did it good. They did it dirty. Mm-hmm. If like kicked out yacked at him a little bit they just like lined up and came in jeremy got one it was a disaster because i hit my wife in the face with one of my shells that ejected <laughs> so like i shot once and shot behind and then she did that and i was like oh crap you know like and so we only shot one where he, i think you were out in, where are you out i had just gotten back to shore we so were kind he, of admiring the pintail so we're like looking at this stupid pintail like oh stupid pintail this is I hate pintails, right? So then we're sitting here looking at it, and I just hear Jeremy like, get down, get down, down. This pin or this bluebill, like, literally comes right over us, over the island, and then swoops back. And I'm like, okay, he wants to die, Gary. I don't know. Either way. So Brad shot it. I thought he was going to miss, but good job, Brad. Good job, Brad. Good job, Brad. All right. So before we kicked off in this episode, uh, we do have a Facebook listener group, Bigger Than Hunters Podcast. Check it out. Make sure to hit follow. Uh, everything that gets released on the podcast goes on there, as well as our Facebook, too, and basically anything. But check that out. Follow it. I plan on doing some stuff. We actually do here in the next um, few weeks. I'm trying to get everything lined up, but we're going to be doing a call giveaway through B- our one of our sponsors, B. Hoover Custom Calls. Uh, he's going to put... Um, a wood duck call together for us. We're going to have them on the podcast. We'll do a giveaway. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, make sure to follow that. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Now I'm better. Uh, <laughs> second of all, make sure to uh, check out Huntfish365 on Instagram, and especially as YouTube. Hit subscribe. And then Brad's account, Real Fresh Catch. Now that we got that out of the way, don't follow their stuff. Subscribe to me because I need more <laughs> subscribers. But on a serious uh, note, uh, we've had a pretty, pretty good few weeks, and you don't want to miss out on a lot of content that's coming out. Today, we're going to be talking. I'm going to stop rambling. Today, we're going to be talking about getting private permission. Uh, can seriously diversify your game. Uh, can make a huge difference. It can be that little honey hole and take off some of that extra pressure off private or public land. So today... We're bringing in the old Brad, the Brad, <laughs> yeah, buddy, uh, for talking about private permission. So let's jump it off. Private permission, why is it important, Brad? Well, I mean, without <clears throat> permission, you're trespassing. So there's <laughs> you that. Don't, you don't want to go to jail, Brad. Uh, I, mean, I really don't want to get shot. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that happens. I would just uh, think that's a bad idea to get shot. Yeah, it really puts a damper on the hunting season. Yeah. 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 Going to the hospital is not a very good plus. I guess it would depend where you got shot. Where would you rather be shot at? There's a if place you, if there's you, had a place a, you would uh, like to get shot. <laughs> I mean, you can have my left pinky. 
<laughs> left pinky. Yeah, I don't need that. I can, I can shoot with. You can that. barely hit ducks as it is. The scoreboard. <laughs> I was gonna say, did where's sh- the scoreboard at? <laughs> I want to see it, Brad. It's it's in our minds. We both know the truth. It's in our minds. I I don't recall the scoreboard. So this weekend, Brad shot a gadwall, then he shot a bluebill. I didn't shoot anything, so <laughs> that's it. Yep. That's it. Yep, that's it. It's not my fault. It's Jeremy's fault. Oh, yeah, all my fault. Well, the gadball, I mean, you, you called them when you said they were going to go around. I didn't think so. So I told Brad <laughs> to shoot, and Brad shot one, so it's technically your fault. I think, tried to shoot. I think uh, Mr. Bossman over here had a pretty <sighs> gnarly click when well, he pulled up to shoot. <clears throat> It's not also not my fault, but it's my fault. <laughs> so I think we said it last week. I dumped my boss shells into the water. Had a couple of them click because the primers got rusted. So I actually went through that bag and tried to throw away all the ones that I thought were like had been in the water. Yeah. And I don't, that, that shell looked really weird because I had some of it on my hand. It's like the bismuth or whatever was in there just like dissolved. And so like. Almost like it went off, but it was a disaster. I don't was know. Was it open or did you open it up? No. Because when you pulled it out, I remember you looking. It was open. Oh. Yeah, so I don't know if a little bit of the like stuff shot out. I don't know. Mm. But <clears throat> maybe that's why I didn't have that pintail. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. It's probably because I shot behind him. <laughs> I don't know. The last couple, like the last week I've had troubles shooting behind stuff. I don't know why. Yeah, I've been shooting bad lately too, so I kind of feel it. Happens to the best of us. Well, I shot really well when we went to that trip. On that trip, I was shooting good. But yeah, you shot really well. I shot really well the week before. Yeah, which we'll go over in our next podcast. But yeah, that Thursday, that Thursday, Friday, I did really well. But this week, I've struggled. Oh well, whatever. So private permission. It's important not to get trespassing. It's a honey hole. It's nice to have the old little honey hole. Yeah, it definitely is. But. Uh, Private permission is really important, obviously, from the trespassing. You can find a honey hole, and let's be honest, there are spots that you can get to that nobody else can. Non-pressure birds are really can make a difference in a hunt. You might be able to see a million birds, but if they don't want to commit, then it doesn't really matter. So if you can get private permission on something that hasn't been hunted, it can make a huge difference on success of hunt. But uh, I think this is something I alluded to, at least in... The old Instagram, but uh, I think the big thing is getting the actual permission. So let's jump off and just do a general question. What's what's your take on being able to get private permission? Like, what's your thinking about it? Uh, honestly, it starts at an aerial map. Like, I'll look at the the general area, and then I'll look at partial sizes, and then I'll look at the potential quality of whatever I'm hunting, whether that be deer, turkey, waterfowl, regardless whatever appeals to that and then that general area. And then I try and find that largest or most successful partial size. And then obviously approach that landowner and the way I do. And sometimes it works. Most <coughs> time it doesn't, but yeah, I think, I think when I think of private permission, I think of like we did in our, a couple weeks ago, the art of networking. I think the first thing that goes through either your head or the private landowner's head is, do I trust this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all about 
do I trust this person or do I respect this person enough to trust them? And so I think the first step when it comes to getting permission is, and I found this about myself, is that if I feel self-confident or have self-esteem, I connect with people better. Mm -hmm. And then that helps because if you start and seem like super spotty and just like unconfident or uncertain yourself, I found that like, I feel like the private, like, land private landowners really see through that. Mm-hmm. They almost take that yeah. as uneasiness. Well, you have to be able to read the people you're approaching, like, and that's before you even meet them. You have to, you walk up to that property, and it's a super nice property, beautiful home. You have to assume that these people are successful. They're business people or whatever, and you have to treat them like that. It's complete opposite if you walk up to a farmer that's, calving cows or fixing a tractor you know like that was how I got one of my best spots is he told me no I came back the next day he was working on a tractor and I just jumped in and started helping him halfway through the day looked at me and said yeah you can hunt go ahead so that's that's the other big part is dressing for the part um, acting the part and knowing the people that you're approaching what about you Jeremy what's your thoughts I think those are all Good. Sorry, I'm a little tired. From it's all right. The, the food's starting to hit my belly, but no, those are all good uh, <laughs> thoughts. Um, <laughs> I do. I do actually. I think you kind of said something, whether you meant it that way or not. Dressing the part. I actually like. This is one thing that I've picked up over the years and learned um, through you know other podcasts and other videos on you know picking up permission one of the best things i can say about if you're trying to get permission don't just walk in there in your full hunting attire like you don't want to look like you're trying to get in the field right now um i mean it could be kind of hard because like as a hunter speaking for myself i uh you know i own a lot of camouflage and i generally am wearing camouflage at some point but don't walk up with your orange on if you're deer hunting and just, like, in full ready to go. Like, because sometimes those people may not, like, you may get a yes, but they may not be expecting you to, like, walk out there that day. And on top of that, like, you want to be respectful and you kind of want to have some class. You want to be able to start a conversation. If you look like you're dressed and ready to go, they're going to think, ah, oh, they're just trying to get in and out. And Exactly. Like, have a good conversation with those people, but, like... For instance, with farmers, be respectful, have a good conversation, but don't waste their time. A lot of farmers are busy, especially this time of year. If you're trying to get permission for a deer property, and the reason I keep saying deer is because me and and Brad have been talking deer hunting for like the last three days. So, (laughs) um, and it just happens to be like the main part of the conversation. But like farmers are busy this time of year. Uh, they're finishing up their crops. They've been working on them for a month now, which because everything's been coming out early this year. Yeah, except for opinion. corn. Corn's just starting to kind of pull out after yeah. that big rain spell we had. Yeah, yeah, we did. Everything did get a little wet, and they're about a week behind now. But so they're you don't want to waste their time. And the best thing I can also say, if you find a really really good property. Um, and you try and get in there in the fall and you walk up to a door and no one answers, it's probably a farmer who's probably asleep and you might just be better to come back after the harvest season um, when they're in a little better attitude, mood. 
Um, Definitely. Because, like, the one main piece of permission that, like, I've had for deer hunting in the last couple years, he's a big-time farmer. Farms his entire property and a lot of other properties. Um, And so, like, I always try and go in and be, like, super respectful, get in and out kind of situation. If he's not busy, I strike a conversation, talk about the deer, talk about who else is hunting. I mean, just have general conversation with people, but value their time. Absolutely. Yeah. Some farmers, like, especially like you just said <coughs> right now, like they're super, super busy, but sometimes they enjoy a conversation. Yeah. There are plenty, like, you You have to learn to read people a little bit. Like, some people, I mean, if they're, like, giving you the whole, yep, yep, kind of trying to make it quick, they're probably in a hurry, they probably have stuff to do, and they're probably trying to get out of there. Don't just keep going on and on with your conversation. But if they're involving themselves in the conversation if they're giving you tips about the property or if they say no but they're like hey go over there these people generally give permission like those are people that are more interested in what you're talking about than anything yeah um and so yeah just read the person Uh, another thing tip wise that i like have Brad kind of talked about it a little bit. I think it's a valid point. There's a video that's actually going around on TikTok right now. That literally, I, it's funny. I watched it, and then I had like three different people send it to me all in about a uh, half an hour period of time. Um, it's this video by Midwest Flyways. Uh, big duck hunter up in uh, North Dakota and Minnesota. And he's talking about how he gets permission to properties. And what he likes... As a duck hunter, what he likes to do is he goes in in, like, the summer and asks farmers if he can shoot pigeons because up there they have a big pigeon problem. It's fun, you know, just a summer activity, just something to blow the rust off, and, like, he gains permission because he'll... Most farmers are like, yes, shoot them all because they crap on everything and they're messy and they're annoying and people want them gone. And then, you know, he'll hunt with them kind of get a relationship with them and then be like, I'm a big duck hunter, big waterfowl hunter, ducks, geese, you know, I see ducks and geese land in your field year after year, any chance that I can hunt it. And he gets a lot of yeses from that. And then the other thing that I always say when I um, am looking for permission that he was talking about, he's a contractor. He's a builder. He he does just landscaping kind of stuff, all kinds of just random things. So he's got ladders and la- a ladder rack on his truck. And he was talking about how one time he literally was having a conversation with a landowner, and he's like, my cousin needs a porch built. Is that something you could do? And he's like, that is absolutely something I can do. And it, it's just what got him in the door. And the reason I also think about that is going to what we were talking about earlier, Brad, where you helped the guy. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I always offer, like, uh, immediately fence help or I'm an electrician, so I always offer to trade my time or just whatever farm experience they need. They need help with calving cows or feeding cows or whatever. Another big thing I always do is I come back when it's not season. So, mm-hmm. like, I'll mark that property and I'll make a list and come summertime when nothing's in season, I'll go back and then I'll hit that farmer because I know he's not busy. Mm-hmm. I know it's not in season. He's not getting pestered. And same thing, like you said, with the orange. Like, I feel like a, a landowner sees orange, and they already immediately in their head, they're like, no, get yeah. this guy off my property. You know, like, 
Yeah, I mean, because they're also thinking, I mean, he's got a gun in his truck right now. Like, yeah. I mean, and they've probably of, been pestered already. Yeah, I mean, especially during rifle season or, you know, leading up to rifle season, maybe even during, in Nebraska, we have a December muzzleloader season that goes the entire month. I'm sure there's a lot of people that knock on these guys' doors. And so they probably get tired of turning people away or giving people permission or, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, absolutely go back in the summer and offer your services. I mean, the, the reality is, is money talks, basically. And if you can't afford a lease, which there's a lot of people out there that can't afford leases, um, or there's a lot of people out there that may not think, you know, you know, I can work my butt off on public land and probably have success. I'm not going to go pay for a lease. But if you can go out and offer services on fences or, like, I'm a painter, so I always, like, you know, offer the ability to paint things, whether it's inside or outside of a house. And then, of course, I know people who are electricians. I know people who are HVAC people there in my group, like, if we want a piece of property, those are kind of things that I'm offering, like a service, basically service calls for people. Yeah. Um, and generally, if you've got somebody who's like right on that edge of being like, yes, you say something like that and you'll get them pretty quick. Yeah. I, I offer my buddy services, this painter and electrician I know. They do a lot of work, you know. I'll be I'll be glad to contract them with some like, <laughs> two beers. That's it, two beers. No, but I, I think you, I think you touch on something that I I thought of. Um, this is something that I thought of with private permission. And I understand where the lease thing is. I think normally I am much more apt to leasing something if I know it's going to be consistent. I can hunt it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Now that always hasn't always worked out in the past, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or even this year. But um, you know, especially that comes to mind is like goose hunting. Like with the expanse of where we usually goose hunt, there's a lot of times that we won't hunt a field more than once or twice. Mm-hmm. You know, we watch them for a couple of days, burn them out of there for a day or two, and they never come back. They yeah. go to some other field, they go somewhere else, or we might even hunt another whole area depending on where the birds are at. So when it comes to just, you know, leasing a field and you could throw 500 bucks at it, that's fine. But you're going to pay 500 bucks for like one or two hunts. Maybe that already might run traffic, but in the area we hunt traffic, good luck, depending on where you're at in Nebraska. But, you know, private permission, it, that's, you know, the biggest thing for me is doing it when, especially like when thinking about waterfowl or like, especially like goose hunting is, you know, I, there was last year I saw umpteen amount of geese on a field that wasn't too far from my house. Mm-hmm. There was like two roosts that I knew of that were both feeding in that same field. I kid you not. There was one truck that pulled off the highway. There was one truck watching the geese. There's a one truck on another side of the field. And I drove around and I was like, I'm just going to go see, like, I'm probably going to get told no, but yeah, let's just roll with it. I kid you not, there was somebody behind me that I could tell was had been watching the geese. There was already one truck, like, by the house. Yeah. Like, come on, my chances of <laughs> success rate is, like, yeah. literally zero. <laughs> but you got to think, I can go back during the summer and get permission and keep mm-hmm. 
you know, depending on if they give permission to multiple people, which a lot of private landowners sometimes do, but most time not, especially in a field. So if I go back, build a relationship with them and have permission on that field, you know, next time there is geese on there once or twice, guess who gets to hunt it, you know, kind of deal. Well, something that helps you there is persistence. Like if you just, even if a landowner tells you no 10 times, as long as you're not rude about it and you leave in a positive manner, they're going to remember you. And then as soon as an opportunity opens up, they're going to, oh, hey, remember that one guy that was real nice and genuine? Let's let's let him hunt. So that's Absolutely. something I always do. Like if it's a nice property and it's something I really want in on, I'll, I'll keep stopping back, even if it's just to say hi yeah, yeah. so they know my name. Leave well, sometimes in, going back to the trust thing, the first time they might not trust you. Mm-hmm. Second time, they might not trust you. But maybe the third time I've had from having two or three conversations with them and they recognize you and that maybe at that point they do trust you and respect you enough to let you get in there and go hunting. Yeah. There's enough crazy people in this world that you got to prove that you're genuine and you're not there to hurt them or their land and you'll respect it the same way that they would. Yeah, yeah, and genuine's a great word. Genuine and respect, because, like, there are people out there that literally, I've seen it happen a few times, and I've heard of it happening, um, where they'll come up, they'll get told no, and they just flip their lid. It's like, why? Why not? I have a buddy that, like, he's a good guy, but he's kind of got that attitude at times, and I've watched it happen. I don't hunt or fish with him a whole lot, but I do occasionally. And he like he got told no. Actually, we had a situation where this one pond that we were fishing, like half of it's public, half of it's private. And like, if you went and asked for permission on the private, you usually got it. And there was another group on there, and we got told no because they only want one group. <coughs> they only want one group on there, and he basically was like, "Why? Like, why not? There's already people there, and they don't like him." <laughs> yeah. Like literally, if we want to fish it, like. I have to go ask, and we kind of—it's bad. We kind of to be discreet about him being there, but don't be disrespectful because, like, you never know when you will get that yes. I mean, yep. there is a there is a fine line. Uh, I have a problem at times with persistence because sometimes you do get people that you gotta be like, "I'm never gonna get a yes from this guy." Yep, I'm never gonna get a yes. That like, comes back to reading people. You gotta mm-hmm, be able to yep, read that exactly. I mean, uh, my buddy John, when he lived in Nebraska. He, um, he was scouting out by where we've been duck hunting and he, it was for turkey season though. And he literally like drove halfway up someone's driveway to ask for permission. Dude stepped out his door and pointed to the road and he, it was like, there's no point. There's no chance. Those are the kind of people that's like, you don't want to cause an issue cause you can get, I mean, if somebody's a real butthead, <laughs> sasshole, <laughs> um, why you got to be that guy? <laughs> You're getting me in trouble. <laughs> so, Shay, obviously on the podcast, we've been having this argument and sassy and a-hole, right? And you put them together and she's like, oh, it's like assy. And I'm like, no, it's sasshole. <laughs> and everybody agrees with me, but she keep, she continues to. Like, I think they're both funny. Let's not like. <laughs> I like the sasshole. Yeah, see? But it, sa- sasshole rolls off the tongue a little That's why he better. gets permission. but reading people yeah (laughs) like the people that are gonna come out the door and point or you know be like hell no or stuff like that like there's There's no no point in pursuing there's no point in coming back you're wasting your time you can i mean 
you got an entire state wherever you live, whether or even if you're a non-resident and you're just visiting areas. There's plenty of property. You knock on enough doors, you're going to find somebody who's going to be like, yeah, you can hunt. And the other thing, like when it comes to the deer hunting, because like, I know Hunter doesn't love to deer hunt, but me and Brad love it. <laughs> if if you're asking for permission to deer hunt in Nebraska, there's a nine day period of time where nine times out of ten you're not. Actually, I would say about a month time. Well, no, I I would I for me it's just that nine day period, which is the rifle season. I a lot of the people that I've ever asked, they don't muzzleloader hunt. No one late season hunts. It seems. And, like, as a freezer filler, I love that late-season antlerless. And a lot of people don't archery hunt. Avoid the rifle season. Ask for some of those other seasons, maybe even later in the year. Like, if you're a person that stays local around the holidays and you have time off and you just, you know, spend time with your family, but, like, then you can go hunting in the afternoons or whatnot, a lot of people are gone over the holidays, and you can usually get in those periods of time. Ask for the non-popular times of the year to, like, if you're kind of in season or you're trying to get in on a property. That's that's a good way to start a relationship and build that trust because you're not asking for, like, the the best time of the year where everybody who likes to hunt. I mean, Nebraska is one of the most popular hunting states there is, especially for deer hunting when it comes to capita or whatever you want to say yeah well you guys you guys like to give me crap about deer hunting because i'm just not real into it but yet i do have a lot of access but the pro and you you alluded you to won't it take either one of us <laughs> it's it's all it's all family friends Asshole. i told you guys i'd take you of the turkey hunt. but here's the thing uh, hey let's just start that relationship we'll go turkey hunting in the spring oh yep. my god <laughs> so the the big thing with that like that land is that Everyone in Nebraska, when it comes to rifle hunting, if they have family at all that has, like, land, everyone's calling in, mm-hmm. calling in the favor of, like, hey, like, you know, can I go out there and hunt it? Like, mm-hmm. everyone does it. So, that land, we can go in there and we can bow hunt it or we can go out and black powder it, but I can't I can't rifle hunt any of that yeah, because all of the, like, all of their all their family members get in there and shoot their deer. Mm-hmm. But there again, like, I have a lot of access, but it's all black powder. Now, I love black powder. I love black powder, too. That's part of the reason I went that route. I mean, Brad likes to bow hunt way more than I do. I can I've say never that. black powder rifle. I, really? You never have? You got, bow hunting is not my deal. I cannot sweat. I, I love I die. I love to bow hunt, but my problem is I get stuck on duck hunting so hard that I generally, like... I mean, it's already, we're a week out from rifle season at this point, and I've gone once. Same here. And I usually I, have to pick either yeah. waterfowl or deer. You guys, are, like, you guys are welcome. You're welcome for coming to the right side. Well, I, <laughs> like, I love waterfowl. I really do. Um, you pick the wrong season to not deer hunt and go waterfowl hunting. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, this season has had its ups and downs. So Drought I'm kinda, years, we need to stick to bow hunting. I guess. Apparently, that is the method. Not me. I'll be out there. But so like, <laughs> is Hunter still hunting right now? Apparently. <laughs> but so like I always ask for black powder because I love I love black powder. And then that late rifle season, which is just an antlerless season for those that don't know. Um, well, and like what you touched on earlier, like really you just need an in 
even if a landowner is standoffish, if you just ask to shed hunt or you ask to turkey hunt mm-hmm. or dove hunt or whatever, something, something that's less popular. Yeah, something that's less popular and small. Or even, like, I, I certainly, like, I certainly will ask, hey, you know, like, I do know what I'm doing. If you want to figure out, like, you know, for the trust aspect, feel free to ask those guys that if they have time to come along. Especially, like, turkey hunting. A lot of those farmers, like, they see all their turkeys, but they don't understand, like, just how great turkey hunting can be. (laughs) And, like, how tasty they are. Talk about a dangerous game, though. I've had I, I've had waterfowl properties of taking people and then like taking their family members and next thing you know like oh yeah I think they're gonna hunt it this year like oh thanks it can be it, you know that is a valid point it could be dangerous I'm game. not saying I w- I would gladly do that I'm just saying yeah I've had that happen and I have taken my fair share of turkeys deer sticks uh, steaks ground burger whatever like I always ask my landowners I'm like you want anything. Like, I got all this meat. Yeah, you always got to give back to the landowner in yeah. some way or another, whether it's work or food or work, both. Well, or work, food, and, like, and I kind of, or even I've seen people that, like, give out gift cards at the yep. end of the year. Like um, Last year I gave one of my landowners, a like, a China buffet gift card. I've mm-hmm. never seen that guy so happy. Really? Like, I don't know, like, crappy Chinese food. I've never seen somebody, like, <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. You don't have to do that. And I'm like, you said you liked it. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Like, exactly. <laughs> pay, pay, pay attention to when you're asking for permission and you're talking about hunting on somebody's property, pay attention to the things they say. Also, the big thing, pay attention to whatever they say about past experiences with people on their land. If you get somebody who's like, if they're like, yeah, I like to allow people to hunt on my land, but we had a group of guys coming and they teared up, tore up our field. Say, oh, we're po- we're totally fine with packing our stuff in. We don't need to be in the field with the trucks or anything like that. Um, we got deer carts if you're deer hunting. We got carts for decoys. I mean, don't oh, need to. That's c- why we got Jeremy. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, why we got Jeremy. These guys work me to the damn ground. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I, actually, I, you're right. <laughs> but seriously, Brad made me pack in for two miles. It was not two miles. It was two miles. Was I close. had at least 1,600 pounds on my back. All right. And you complained the entire time. I never complained. From the truck <laughs> when we left in the morning to the truck when you're we got back. You're still complaining this morning. Yeah, you're still complaining right now. I never complained. <laughs> I just, I'm just i just allowing people to know about what happened to me, the trauma. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh my if only we had private permission to something in that area we do it's just two hours north and they only killed two teal yeah on the club (laughs) but the point is if somebody tears up their field or like you have hunters that leave trash or whatever like it was a fishing spot but you know a few years back we were fishing this pond and we had permission and we got kicked off because some other guys who had permission left their trash and i you know one, we know it wasn't us because it was on the opposite side of the pond of where we like to fish. And two, we'd never used live bait or anything there. We always used artificial stuff. But it pissed off one of the guys around the pond and we got kicked off. Yep. And it wasn't even us. So 
from both respecting the landowner and potential other people who are hunting the property, you got to, you know, be respectful of what those landowners may want. I mean, you don't want to leave trash around somebody's property. It's just not, that's not cool, dude. Don't do that. You always want to kind of offer to waive liability too. That kind of really helps people Mm -hmm. see that you're professional. You're not going to hurt yourself. And if you do, you're going to take, responsibility for it and even then like if people are like really freaked out about it and they and you say that and you're they're still kind of like hesitant my first thing is like i got a piece of paper right here i'll write it you sign it i sign it no liability because that is absolutely true i mean i don't know what it is for other states but in nebraska owners of the land are liable for anyone on the property unless there's a lease or something i heard rumor of something last year I never looked into it, and I meant to. In Nebraska, the landowner is not responsible for the person on their land unless money is exchanged. But then you have a contract. Normally, there's a liability yeah. part to but it. But I never looked into liable. it. I don't know. I do need to look into that. I was curious because I know you had said something. And I thought Matt from High Prairie said something to the same sort, but I never really did look into it that well. My understanding, at least in the past... Granted, this is how my dad used to explain it to me, and he hasn't really done a whole lot of the private land gathering for probably 20 years, but it used to be if you got injured on somebody's property and you didn't have any kind of a lease or anything in place because it was the landowner's property and you were there, it fell on them because, like, if there's bad fencing or, you know, unstable ground or something stupid like that, it fell on them. And you could technically sue if you wanted to. but Yeah, yeah and, I could see that. And I think whether that's true or not, a lot of landowners, I mean, people aren't dumb. They understand that this world has a lot of crazy people that will do a lot of stupid things to make sure they have money. Yep. Um, and you don't want to ever, I mean, anything you can do to make it like clear that you're not that kind of person, it's just going to give you a leg up. No, I agree. I think liability has become a bigger bigger issue in the last ten years, but mm-hmm. and I've and you know, I've gotten a couple no's because of liability stuff, but it's just one of those thing other things you can overcome. You have no idea what what's going through that landowner's head when you're starting to talk to them. I mean, they're thinking just as much as you are of like, Oh, who's this person? What are they about? Mm-hmm. Should I let them hunt? Yeah. Why should why should I or why shouldn't I? So, I mean, it's one of those things that you just gotta. I mean, they are gonna bring that kind of stuff up because it is a main concern for them. But mm-hmm. if they're willing to work through it, I mean, that's a win for you. Yep. On that point, that's I think that's kind of one of the reasons I am so successful in private land is just the way I go about it. Like, whether it, if it's local, uh, I'll go out and I print out a resume that has all my information on it, my phone number, my email, my address, everything, a bio about me that tells them how long I've been hunting, what I hunt, how I go about it, how many people I usually hunt with, mm-hmm. etc. All these facts that, so before they even meet me, they will typically have that paper in their hand and they'll know all about me. Mm-hmm. They know, okay, this guy takes this professional, or he takes this in a professional manner. Um, he's not just some guy out here to shoot everything that walks you know i take it to a management aspect 
on deer, the deer side. Um, turkey, not so much. But you, you watch Seek One. You kind of sound like the guys from Seek One. They hunt a lot of suburbia stuff in uh, Georgia. Yeah. Um, and they have this. They actually have a class on getting permission, and like they have basically what you're talking about. Yeah. An entire resume talking about yep. what they're doing. They they hit on the management aspect very hard because where they're hunting, it's actually really important for deer to be shot because yep. they're overpopulated. But hitting those points, showing who you are, talking about management, because you get a lot of the ex- especially in. You know, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything like here. When you walk up to the door and you get a you know a woman who answers who you are and like how professional you are and like you talk on that management stuff, you're gonna go ten times further. Absolutely. Like if you are anything proven, and like I know it sounds <laughs> really bad, but no, that, you're no, it's man. straight up facts. I mean, old ladies, man, it's either fifty fifty. They're gonna get. A real rude one or a real nice one. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's no in between. There was one time I was trying to hunt a piece of public, and um, I just wanted to access it from a a private. Uh, just it was just a house. I drive in the driveway. I'm like, I knock on the door. I'm like, Hi, how's it going? Um, you know, I'm trying to hunt this public land. Uh. Is it okay if I park my truck here and I walk in from here? And she was really, really, she's super sweet. She's really hesitant. And then she actually, what happened was she looked at my shirt and I had the name of the college that I was at on it. And she's like, you go to that college? It's just a small little Christian college in town. And she's like, I know people that go there. And then we just started talking and like I giving giving who I was talking about how, how long I've been hunting, where I'm from, potential people in the community that I knew. And she like went from hesitant to, yeah, you can park there. Like there's no problem with that. Just make sure you're off the road. And I was like, done deal. Like, and you know, I went on my way and I came back and I actually thanked her. I was like, I didn't get anything that day, but I just was like, Thank you very much. The wind, like, you, you helped me because of the wind. It's just what I needed. And I know that if I ever wanted to do that again, I could go back to her, but I've kind of quit hunting that property, so it doesn't matter. But Yeah. Talking about that, talking about networking. We talked about networking with other hunters, but this is extremely, extremely important when it comes to networking with private landowners. So say you manage to get into an area you get one landowner, let's just call him John. You get you to get in there, you get a relationship with John, you hunt his land for a year or two. He knows you're respectful, you have relationships, you built that relationship to move forward, right? And you have a, a future with that land and that landowner. Now, say John's got a neighbor, say, let's call him Danny. John's got his buddy or his, his neighbor named Danny. If you're talking about a small community or a farm community, John and Danny know each other. They have a relationship. They know each other. The next step for you is like, oh, I want to go hunt on Danny's property. Who do you? Who should you talk to first? You need to talk to John. You need to talk to John about his property, what Danny's like, who he's, you know, what he's about. And then a lot of times John will actually call Danny up and say, hey, this is a good dude. You know, you should let him hunt your property. And I've found that my success rate can go from like 25, 30%. To like 70 80 percent in that situation 
So if you can find one landowner in an area that is willing to let you hunt and build a relationship, your success rate goes through the roof with other people. On that same note, you got to be careful though, because my deer hunting property I just walked away from in that same aspect, if I asked him about hunting a neighbor property, he would see that as selfish that, Oh, you, you can hunt here, but it's not good enough. You want to go hunt over there? I guess that would just come down to reading that farmer. Yeah. I mean, reading the farmer, I think you hit, hit it on the head. It's actually a thought that I needed to come up. I didn't, I forgot about that. I probably personally would tweak it a touch. I probably would, you know, bring it up to the farmer and it's like, um, Hey, you know, I'm just maybe start with like, Hey, you know, I want to get to know the people around you in case I ever wound a deer or, well, or there's a field or just backing up. I think it comes through my lens of goose hunting. Yeah. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. cornfields yeah. and cornfields, they're not going to care if you jump no. properties, but in like a deer hunting or turkey hunting scenario, I see where that you guys yeah. are coming from. Well, and, and still even from a deer hunter's perspective, like, yeah, I would bring it up to the landowner that I, you know, I might expand. And like, I always ask, you know, are there potentially other people in the area who like, you know, either don't hunt or don't have time to hunt kind of situation like that. Cause I mean, I hear what you're saying obviously is what we've been talking about with that farmer. He's kind of yeah. back and forth on, it seems like whether you can hunt there or not. Um, but I would go talk to the, the new landowner, you know, bring it up. Like I would start the conversation with, Hey, I hunt in the area. I'm just kind of trying to get to know the area potentially, um, gain access to other properties or make it so that like I have a good connection with you in case I ever wound a deer um, and you know I need to go recover it um, or trail it or something like that and then nine times out of ten that farmer is going to be like whose land do you hunt on and you're going to tell him would you say John or Joe or John you're going to tell him oh I hunt John's property and he's going he's probably going to go oh I know John he's a good guy and then he's probably going to call John yep. and ask about you. And that's where it comes in being respectful to all your landowners because when they when they make that call, that landowner has the option to either be like, love the dude, he's super respectful on my property, I want him to come back every single year, I've let him hunt for three or four years now, yada yada. Or he's going to be like, if you're not respectful and it's your first year, he's going to be like, yeah, I let this dude hunt this year. Kind of a mistake. Don't plan on having him come back. If you if you have that kind of a relationship with that landowner, it's going to screw you with other landowners. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, net, networking, those small farm communities. I mean, out in the country, it's pretty much the truth. Everybody knows everybody from every little corner house, you know, in the middle of bump nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I to put it in perspective, like here's a story. Last year we struggled early on with goose hunting. It was just really warm getting into December. Honestly, just weather for goose hunting last year was just awful until mm-hmm. like January. We got started getting all the snow. We did really well, but we really struggled because we were there's a couple of different roosts we were hunting and like those geese were coming out like right at sundown. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, there's no way we can hunt. Yeah. And so, struggle with that. Well, we started scouting and found another roost that we we're going to start hunting. So we got into one landowner. Well, then we ran into another landowner, and like 
Now we have, I would say, a good chunk of that area that we can hunt just because we managed to build a relationship with one of the landowners. So, like, it's it just ended up boom, 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 boom. But I will say this. This is a big, big one. Okay, so say if you go into Onyx and you start looking around, a lot of times it's farm communities, a lot of times it's family. Mm-hmm. Be very, very careful when it comes to family members in a same community to making sure when you're talking to one landowner, you get a feel and sense for where their family members are. In that same area, there's two brothers. One super nice, super genuine, mm-hmm. awesome guy will mm-hmm. let you hunt. Super easy to deal with. He's got a brother there that is less than enjoyable yeah. and super mean. Well, they both have last name, and they both have similar LLCs on their name. And this didn't happen to me, and I won't say who did. They end up hunting that ground because there was some confusion on which piece of property it was because of the landowner LLC. And that landowner came and ripped him a new one and threw him out, which, hey, it's his land. I mean, he yeah. was nice, to be honest with you, about just letting him get out of there, but there was some confusion from there. That's a good point. So I dealt with that on my elk hunt, not the negative side of that, but when I got that permission, I made sure to say, okay, can I sit down with you or send you some Onyx screenshots to where we have clarity of which LLC is yours and which is not, um, just for that same reason. I yep. wasn't trying to get thrown off while I was elk hunting. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is the other hard part with, like, a small land community is there's a lot of times there's one farmer in an area that'll also contract out other acreages mm-hmm. that somebody else might hunt, so you need to really clarify on that. Yeah, it's always good to have a map or a, a total understanding of where you're hunting, who you're hunting for. Yep. And even then, when you talk about families, uh, I mean, I've run into this or... Uh, the group that I hunted with when I was, you know, younger uh, for deer because we had one guy who he did a lot of tree shearing, so he had property all over the place. Well, he hunted for one guy, and we had permission to be there pretty much whenever. Sorry, Noah. Jeez, scared me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. My train of thought. Oh. Um, we had permission to hunt the guy's property, 100%, but what the landowner left out was the fact that his brother and his sons hunted it during rifle season, you know, the big time of the year. Oh he didn't hunt it, but they did, and sure enough, you know, I wasn't there that day, but a couple people went in there with the guy who had permission, and, you know basically walked up on one of the guys and it was like you know uh, what the heck's going on here kind of situation so it's always it's always good to be clear are there other people hunting the property is their family hunting the property because like sometimes especially in that harvest season farmers are so loose of mind at times and you never know you gotta ask those questions yeah. well, on the same point like you're there, you kind of are there to watch over their land at the same aspect. So if there isn't someone there that's not supposed to be hunting, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that so that you can then take the proper action, call the warden or call the sheriff, call the landowner, get that trespasser out of there. I had a situation like that on the property that I usually hunt for a muzzleloader in late season. 
we were there during late season and there was this truck driving through. Um, now I think the dude did have permission. I think it was one of those family members, but he didn't know that we were hunting it during late season and we didn't know that he was going to be there because they only ever hunted during rifle season. And I saw the truck driving through, talked to the guy. I was like, Hey, and he's like, you know whose land you're on? I was like, yeah, do you know whose land you're on? And he's like, yeah. Talked to him for a few minutes. He drove off, which, you know, says a lot about the guy who was driving around deer hunting on the property, which, you know, some people do what some people do. (laughs) Yeah. The old mobile blind. And as soon as he pulled away, yeah, as soon as he pulled away, I called the landowner. I was like, hey, so this just happened. Uh, you know, I just talked to this guy. Uh, I just want you to know, like, we were here today, obviously. I mean, we talked about hunting. Like, this is opening day of that late season. I always tell him that we're going to be there that day. <coughs> and he was like, oh, yeah, I must have forgot to tell him that you guys were going to be there. And it wasn't a big issue. It didn't, yeah. didn't have a problem. But exactly. You, if you were hunting somebody's property and you see something that doesn't look like it's supposed to happen there, you are going to gain more trust from that landowner if you report that. Absolutely. Like, they're going to be like, they're, they're probably, I mean, a lot of times they're probably going to tell you, oh, yeah, that's probably my third or fourth cousin, doesn't, you know, whatever, who's just out and about hanging out on the property. And, you know, I forgot to mention that you guys were in there. But he's also, he's going to hang up that phone. He's going to be like, I know that I can trust that guy and that like he's going to tell me anything that happens on my property if it's something I don't want. Yeah, you gain their respect at that point. So. Yes, sir. Well, you have anything else? Nope, not really. Okay. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're I all think ready so. for a I nap. Think, yeah, I, I agree. I think the only thing I ha- I would have is um, just don't, I guess that's the big thing is just be authentic and try to uh, be authentic, but don't be over overwhelming in any way. Just they're a human being. They care about certain things and, you know, Oh, I guess I thought about one other thing. I also just thought about one thing. All right, Kinda, roll with it. When it comes to being overwhelming, cause my, my thing is, is like, if I have a landowner who's like, they want to know when I'm out there 100%. I always just, like, I'll ask, do you prefer that I call or text you? Do you want me to let you know that every single time I'm going to be out, like, every single time I'm going to be out there, do you want me to ask before I come out there to make sure that it's okay with you guys? Everybody has a different answer. Some people are like, dang, you're treated like it's your own property. Some people are like, I need to know the minute you're going to be here and the minute you're going to leave. So, it, and, you know, a lot of the people that are like, come come and go when you want, those are the people that may not want to be bothered a whole yeah. lot. The people that want to know when you're going to be there, those are going to be the people that probably don't quite trust you yet. And as you continue, if you you if you let them know and you, you keep up to date with them, they'll continue to trust you, and eventually that'll probably, you'll go back the next year and be like, can I hunt? And they'll probably be like, come and go whenever you want. Yep. I mean, it, it generally will change after a while. Um, but you said overwhelming, and that was just a thought that I immediately went to is because sometimes I had one, la- the, this landowner I've hunted with 
for the last couple of years, um, I would, when I first started hunting there, I would kind of call him like every time we would go and he kind of could, he trusted me and you could kind of tell he was like, Oh, I just figured you guys were going to be here. So eventually I just asked him, I was like, do you need me to call every time that we come out here? And he was like, you don't have to. So That's uh, one thing I thought of was if you do gain permission, like don't just take it as like you have permission forever. Like someday show up and just work, just be there just to, to help them, whether that be right now in November, even though it's peak time for deer hunting and, Maybe if a cold front's pushing through or whatever, they're going to appreciate that a lot more. You come out there and help them harvest or you help them run fence for cattle or whatever it may be. Nothing in life is free, so they're going to appreciate and respect you a lot more if you just show up to to work and not to hunt. That get, that'll get you and pretty even, far. And even those guys that, you know, tell them, hey, I'm going to work or do something for them because I've had landowners be like, I don't care. Those are the people. Get them gift cards. Bring them deer sticks. Bring them something. Stop by when you have success and tell them how grateful you are for it. It's actually crazy how many landowners are that like want to see the success yeah. that you've had. Like, yeah. let me see what you got. Yeah, like I, you stop by and like, hey, I got a deer. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, it's a little buck, or oh, it's just a doe, or I just shot a big tom, or. Oh, we shot a six-man limited geese. Like, there are landowners, whether they respect hunting or, or you know, whether they like to hunt or don't, that are generally, you know, like, I want to see it. And, you know, the crazy thing is, and, again, not to be sexist or anything, it always seems to be the women that are just, like... Well, it's because they grew it, you know what I mean? Yeah. That they're, like, mothers yeah. of that land. So. Yeah, and it's, like, they'll just be, like, oh, that's really awesome. What did you get today? And I'm, like, oh, well, I mean, this one's a little... It might be a little bloody, just let you know, but... You know, I got a doe or something like that. I mean, it's crazy, actually, how many women are real interested in what you get, especially if they have that mutual respect for hunters. Absolutely. I think that kind of wraps it up. Nap time is nap time. So, all right. Make sure to make sure to hit subscribe on Big, Bigger and Hunters, Hunt Fish 365, Real Fresh Catch. Make sure to check out our uh, – Listener page, Bigger and Hunters podcast, because you don't want to miss out on that giveaway in the next few weeks. So, all right, guys, appreciate you listening to this video or well, this podcast. It shows how tired I am. <laughs> all right. See you guys. <laughs>